Well, good morning again. Good to see you out this morning and see your smiling faces. Hint, hint. That's good. <laughs> That's good. That's a lot better. Um, before we get into the message today, who knows what today is signifying? Yes, the Sanctity of Life Sunday. And a reminder to us that on January 22nd, 1973, the Supreme Court voted to allow babies to be aborted in the womb. And since that time, there have been 50 million aborted just in the United States alone. In 2014, the last year we have for any of the records, California was at the top in leading in most of the, uh, all the other states in the number of abortions that we had, 157,350. New York State came in second with 926,000. That's 431 million helpless children killed by abortion every day in California, 431. And that's according to the Center of Disease Control. And they tell us that not all abortions are reported, so it's even greater than that. If we honored each baby aborted since 1973 for just one moment, the silence would last for over 100 years. Think of that. I'm glad to report to you this morning that in the 2018, the number of abortions across America decreased. Due to modern technology, there is little or no doubt of what takes place now during an abortion. Perhaps you or someone you know has had an abortion, and you know the ongoing guilt that comes along with that. I'd like to remind you this morning that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses from all sin. Amen. As we learned two weeks ago in our study, there are, these, these are not our bodies to do with what we'd like to do, but to respect them as God-given gift to each one of us. Two verses that stand out this morning would be Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I set you apart. And in Psalms, I love this one. You're probably familiar with this verse, Psalms 139 and verse 14. You made all of the delicate inner parts of my body and knit them together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion and saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. So that hits it pretty, tells it pretty plain, doesn't it? We're fearfully and wonderfully made. I'd like to just uh, have you join me in prayer this morning. I'm thankful for a president that who has on, went on record yesterday saying, um, I'm for life and I will veto anything that comes across my desk that, that, is any, that is contrary to that. Amen? We need to pray for him and, and the vice president as well, as well as they stand strong. Let's go to prayer. Father, we thank you for life. Thank you that you ordained it and from the very beginning. Lord, you have purposed in our heart to 
our, 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 what we're going to be and what we're going to do. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And Lord, we stand today in need of, as a country of, of repentance. Lord, I ask that you would forgive us for the lives that we've taken and help us, Lord, to just uh, stand and upon your word and, and do that which is right. We thank you for our president who's taken such a strong stand. We do pray for him and our vice president and their families for protection and that you would keep them strong as they go against many times the current and uh, give them wisdom and we thank you for them. And now, Father, I pray that you would take, well, also, Lord, I want to pray for those that uh, may have experienced uh, an abortion sometime in their life, Lord. Thank you that your grace is sufficient for them and that your blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness and we just lift them up today and help them to recognize that they um, have a part yet in this life and that you want to use them you want to forgive them and that they might come clean before you and that you might restore them totally and use them in a mighty way for our service together today lord i pray that you would bless it i pray lord that you would just fill me and use me in this hour that we have together in jesus name amen I thought before we get into the message this morning, you know, the Bible talks much about laughter, and I just did this one other time when I, when I spoke, but uh, I think sometimes we don't laugh enough. You know, you ever seen some Christians, they, think, you know, they say that they're a Christian, and, and, and you look, you, to look at them, you think if they smile, they'd break into a million pieces. Um, so just a couple of things to pass along this morning that maybe will help you smile, and maybe you can take those with you today. How do you know when you're growing old? I thought it'd be good for us. When you put your PJs and slippers on at the time you used to go out, you're getting old. The older I get, the earlier it gets late. <laughs> Think of that one. When you hardly do anything and you still need a nap, you know you're growing old. When your knees are no longer right and left, but good and bad. I'll get in trouble maybe. When the old lady you're helping across the street is your wife. <laughs> you sit in the rocking chair, but you can't make it go. You know you're getting old. Let's see. When you sink, this is my, one of my favorite ones. When you sink your teeth in that nice juicy steak and they stay there. <laughs> when the candles on your cake cost more than the cake you know you're getting old. It's like a bonfire, right? <laughs> when you grunt, when you get up and down, you know you're getting old. I was painting with a friend a couple of weeks ago, and I must have been grunting while I was getting up and down, and I heard he's in the other room, and he goes, are you okay in there? <laughs> I thought of that when I read that today. Oh, my. Well, let's do a little bit of a review now. Of, uh, we're in the middle of a series that it's called it's not about me rescue from a life i thought would make me happy our key verses you remember is second corinthians 3 18 and put that into a nutshell focusing on jesus why anybody because he changes me okay now let's get this straight now this is the third week all right here we go you're going to help me out this is called um audience participation okay it's okay for you to say something at this point right Oh, just kidding. So, focusing on Jesus for 
he changes me. That's terrible. That was pretty weak. I'll give you one more try, all right? This is the last chance that you have this morning. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, focusing on Jesus, for he changes me. And couldn't we all use a little bit of change? We saw that God doesn't exist to make a big deal about us, that we exist to make a big deal about God. We also saw that when God is present, the difference is obvious. And the verse that we saw with that is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone be in Christ, they are a what? Thank you. You're, oh, that's good. All things are? And all things become? So I can't say to you that I'm a Christian and habitually sin because those don't go together, according to that verse and other verses as well. When God comes in and transforms a person's life, they are changed from the inside out, new goals, new motives, new direction, new everything because they have received a brand new heart. They are not perfect. Don't misunderstand me. Doesn't mean that we'll never sin, but sin is not habitual. It's not a way of life for that person any longer. So don't say, I'm a Christian, and continue to sin because you're only deceiving yourself. We saw that Jesus doesn't always meet our expectations of him, and yet he is still more than we can ever imagine. Amen? Isn't Jesus a lot more than you can ever? I have not seen nor ear heard. As we focus on him, we find rest in him as he is. When our deepest desire, we learned this last week, when our deepest desire is not the things of God, what he can give me, nor are they the favor of God, but God himself, at that point we cross a threshold, less of self-focus and more God-centered. Last week we saw how Moses prayed, God, show me your glory. And when he was praying, it, he was simply saying, God, change me, keep me transforming me into your image and I shared with you that little slogan that the or phrase that the Lord gave me several years ago now salvation is not the end don't settle for just knowing you're going to heaven one day and don't settle just for knowing that your sins are forgiven salvation is not the end it's the beginning and the Christian life is what you make it I'm as close to Jesus, I resemble Jesus today as much as I've chosen to. Today we're going to be looking at God's glory. We talk a lot about God's glory, but it's hard to define God's glory. Yet it is important because of God's zeal to be glorified. We are to think and to feel and to act to make him as glorious as he is, but we need to understand we can't add anything to his glory. Nothing we could do could add to God's glory. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, let your light so shine before men that you might see, they might see your good works and glorify God. Look at it again. Let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify God. Do you know that every single one of us that are born again, the Bible calls us image bearers. We are lights. My question to you this morning is, what kind of light are you? When my daughter and family go out of town, I have the responsibility 
and privilege of feeding the chickens. So I go over there and I got to wait till they roost so it's dark when I get there and they have a flashlight there for me to use to get out there and feed them and lock them up. So the critters don't get them, okay? So I turned on the light the other day and it was bright and I started and I went about from here to there and, and uh, it was dead. So the next time I went over, I took my own flashlight. Flashlights are great when they work. They show light. That's our job as Christians, to show lights. You want to have some fun the next time you fly on a plane? You're thinking, how else would I fly, right? <laughs> I don't know why I said it that way. Um, when I'm flying, when I used to live on the East Coast and I would fly across the country to visit my daughter and family, um, I would take one of my books along and, and just give it to somebody just because it's a testimony that, and, and something that God's allowed me to do. And, and then in the course of the conversation, I'd often ask them what they do. And as a polite, usually they would ask me back, well, what do you do? And if they ask you that, here's what you say. Well, I'm an ambassador. That perks them up. And they say, well, well, well where, where are you a, an ambassador? Well, it's not a place, it's for, the, it's for a king, though. You're an ambassador for a king? I am an ambassador for the king. It's the king of kings, and his name is Jesus. And we, I'm able to go into the gospel with them. And I want to challenge you, try that, see if it works. Yeah, I know, it does work, I've already used it. But you are an ambassador. You are a light. Whether you're a bright light, a so-so light, or a dim light is entirely up to you. But God wants to use you. I'm so glad this morning God will use anyone. He's not interested in our ability, only our availability. Amen? If you want an exciting life, you just today, even before the service is over, you could say, Father, I want to be used of you. Nothing excites God to hear his children say that. But when you do, watch out. Because God uses available people. The glory of God is the going public of his infinite worth. In Psalms chapter 19 and verses 1 through 6, the heavens declare the glory of God. Humans manifest his glory, being created in his image. We can make him gloriously trustworthy, trustworthy rather, to those that are around us. And that is our job. That is our privilege to do so. Isaiah chapter 6. And verse 3, now when God says something once, it's important. When he says it three times, it's real important, okay? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his, not holiness, but the whole earth is full of his glory. God's glory is the radiance of his holiness. So when we come to define God's glory, it's not an easy task. We talk a lot about it, as I've said, but it's hard to define. Now, I have back here, you say, what's this basketball doing back here? Well, okay, so now you know what it is, as if you didn't already know what it was, right? It's a basketball. If you were to find this basketball, what's one of the things you would say about it? Anybody? <laughs> I knew that was going to be the... It's round, all right. Um, it's made of leather. It's approximately 10 inches in diameter. Inside it, we put... 
And then if you have the right amount of air, it's going to work good. And if you don't have the right amount of air, it's not going to work so good. So it's easy to describe something like a basketball. But if we're going to define a, a, a God's glory, it'd be like defining the word beauty. How do you define the word beauty? Isn't that a little bit harder? If I was going to define the word beauty to you today, I would say Sheila Ray. Oh, I'm in trouble now. And I think of my wife, and you should too. Not my wife, your wife. But uh, um, I can remember driving from Alabama to Pennsylvania, 14, 15-hour drive. We'd drive during the night because the children would sleep. All right? And so uh, we were coming through um, Altoona, PA. Has anyone ever been to Altoona? Well, you're not missing anything. We were coming around Altoona, and we were, they were all sleeping, and I was driving. And have you ever seen the moon that just stole your breath away? This past year, we've had that happen a couple different times during the year. Well, this was something that I will never forget. It'll probably never happen again. It was just amazing. And you know when the moon first comes up, how it comes up, and it kind of fills the whole sky, and then as it gets a little bit higher, it seems to get smaller. Well, we're told, I'll have to look now, that the moon is 230,000 plus miles away from the earth. That's a long way. But that night, as I round the corner, and the moon was just coming up, it was humongous, and it took my breath away, and I don't know what I said or responded, but I woke everybody in the car up. <laughs> and uh, even though it was over 200,000 miles away, it was like if I would have stopped the car and got out, I could have reached out and touched it. Amazing. Or maybe it's been a sunset or whatever it is, some kind of a beautiful sight. But you see, the glory of God is the manifest beauty of his holiness. The going public of his holiness. We, you and I, as God's kids, have the opportunity, as well as privilege, to show forth God's holiness every single day that we live. May I remind you this morning again that you may be the only Bible that some people are ever going to read. God's holiness is what he is as God. It's the quality of perfection. It determines all that he is. It signifies his infinite worth. While the glory of God is the manifest beauty of his holiness. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 through 6 ought to be a verse that we acquaint ourselves with it says the god of this world your enemy my enemy satan the god of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the knowledge of the glory of christ that's why it's so hard when you're sharing christ with some people that they don't want to have anything to do with it because at that point the holy spirit has not worked in their heart enough and the God of this world has blinded their eyes. They just can't see it. They just can't understand it. God's glory. Last week, we saw how Moses asked God for, to see his glory, and God revealed his glory to him. Ezra saw it and bowed. It encircled the angels, and awe struck the 
shepherds. Jesus radiates it. John beheld it. Peter witnessed it on the Mount of Transfiguration. Christ will return enthroned in it, and heaven will be illuminated by it. God's glory. To seek, to ask to seek, or to see rather, God's glory is to ask to see it all. God's glory carries the full weight of his attributes. Think of that. God's glory carries the full weight of his attributes, his love, his character, his strength, and on and on and on the list can go. In Psalms chapter 29 in verses 1 and 2, it says, ascribe unto the Lord. That word ascribe means to give unto the Lord glory do him. Worship the Lord in beauty and in holiness. It was interesting in my study, I learned that the Hebrew word for ascribe means heavy or weighty, or the one that I really like, important. It's important for us to give God his glory. The root word there, heavy, weighty, important. God's glory celebrates the significance, his significance, his uniqueness, and his one-of-a-kindness. In Exodus chapter 15 and verse 11, who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like the majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? And there we see the preeminence of God. Listen, God exists to showcase God. Ezekiel chapter 14 and verse 4 tells us that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. What do you think about that? Why would God do that? Why would God harden anyone's heart? Well, we know why God hardened Pharaoh's hearts, so that he would let the children of Israel go. You see, how do we explain that God hardens people's hearts? It is simply this. So that we, even though we may not understand it, God would be glorified. Why do the heavens exist? Psalms 19.1 tells us the heavens exist to declare the glory of God. Why do people struggle? You say, that's the answer that I've been waiting for. Part of the answer is found in Isaiah chapter 48, 10 and 11. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction for my own sake. Psalms 50 verse 15, trust me. In your time of trouble, and you, I will rescue you, and, I, and you will give me glory. So God brings us through a hard time that we might learn, that we might turn around for his glory. Yes. And any hardship that you might be going through right now or down the road, you can pray, God, work this out for my good and your glory. And you would be praying in the correct way. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9, Jesus taught us to make God's reputation our priority in prayer. You know the prayer that he leads there in Matthew 6. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. When we pray that word, that word hallowed be your name, it's reveal who you are to me. How well do you know God this morning? You know what's a sad thing? You can take two people, they get saved the very same day, and 10 years later, you can see growth in one and not the other. Why is that? 
because the one that grew was disciplined and did the things they needed to do to grow spiritually and the other one did not image bearers lights every one of us are but you determine what kind of image barrier what kind of light you are in your life and i do the same so you are as much like jesus today you resemble him as much as you've chosen to do boy that hits hard doesn't it i'm thankful i'm not what i used to be and i'm thankful that god's still working in my life today and will until i get to heaven justification there was a time when i was not born again but then i trusted christ and was born into the family of god i became complete not only phys physically alive but spiritually enlivened as well and since that time i have there's the, not only the justification process there is the sanctification process and if we could just say that is the growing up process that takes place at from the very moment of salvation until we get to heaven all of that time is the sanctification pro, uh, process and that's where we resemble jesus christ as much as we determine to do so and then there's the glorification process that's the goodest the goodest part <laughs> that's when we get to heaven are you looking forward to that day may I remind you this morning with the things that are escalating the way they are in our world that jesus eminent return well it's just around the corner i really believe that and i know people that don't we don't like to think about it and there's others that the scoffers that say well you've been saying that for two thousand years and I say to them, well, we're 2,000 years closer than when we were. <laughs> Every act of heaven reveals God's glory. Every act of Jesus reveals God's glory. And every act of you and me, or is it I, should reveal God's glory. But I'll be honest with you, not every act of mine does. But I'm asking the Lord to help me. Father, remember that prayer, the transforming prayer that I gave you a while back? Cleanse me, because I can't live the Christian life on my own. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that others might see Jesus in me and use me. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, the sun reflects God's glory john chapter 12 verse 28 jesus the night before crucifixion said father glorify your name in john chapter 17 and verse 4 jesus declares his mission on earth as successful by saying i have brought you glory on earth by completing the work that you've given me to do listen god has one goal and it's god you say i don't know if i even like that are you surprised by such an attitude are you thinking, child of God, I didn't know I served such a selfish God, a self-promoting God. Why would God broadcast himself? Don't miss the answer. For the same reason a pilot of a lifeboat does. Imagine with me this morning that you 
have been shipwrecked and you are on a sea and it's night and it's cold and you are weary you're ready to give up because you don't have a life vest and you hear a voice you can't see him but you listen you want this one that can rescue you to notice you don't you you need him to say I'm here I'm strong I have room for you I can save you listen don't miss this this morning just as drowning passengers want the pilot to reveal his presence, don't we want God to do the same we're drowning drowning in a sea of guilt and anger and despair we're going down fast but the good news is God can rescue us and we need to see his glory and that's why it's not about me it's all about him that's how I can really experience life as God intended but if I try to get all that I can out of this life mowing over everyone not concerned about hurting anyone I'll never be happy you'll never be happy we need to see his glory folks God doesn't have an ego problem he does reveal his glory for his good and we need to witness it for ourselves we need a strong hand don't you agree to pull us into the lifeboat and once aboard now don't miss this once aboard what's our priority then there's only one and that is to promote God we declare his preeminence second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 17 we boast in the Lord only listen the breath you have this morning you have been given for one reason and one reason alone and that is to reflect God's glory it is not just to live for yourself someone has said life is God's gift to us how we live that life is our gift to him Horatio Spafford if you noticed up on the small print of the song it is well with my soul this morning wrote that song do you know the history behind that Horatio Spafford had already lost his home and his business in the great Chicago fire and his son of four years old to disease he remained with his wife and three girls he was close friends to a great evangelist of the day and he asked Horatio to lead the music in an upcoming evangelistic campaign in England so he bought the tickets the day came for them to get on board and he had an urgent something or other happened I don't remember what that was he stayed behind and put his wife and three girls on the boat and they began across the ocean the boat sank and he gets a telegram from his wife saved alone he immediately got on the next ship 
started across the ocean. The pilot told him about the approximate place that the boat went down. And he went to his cabin and penned the words to it is well with my soul. Life's tough at times, isn't it? And things happen that we don't understand and we sure don't like. God says, even in those times, you need to trust me because I've got your back and you need to glorify me. And when those tough times come and you exhibit Jesus, you're like a magnet that people are drawn to. My son and I worked together for 16 years painting. We could go into a room and in a half hour have it done if it was just the walls, cutting in, one cutting in and one rolling. At the age of 35, I lost him to an accident. A year and a half earlier, as I shared with you last week, I lost his, his wife, my wife, his mother, to cancer. I had just taken over a new church. And the guys were very compassionate. And they said, Grant, if you don't want to, want to preach this Sunday, we all understand. And I said, let me get back with you on that. And as it went on during the week, I just felt that's what I was supposed to do. And I did. And afterwards, I had one man sometime later say, Grant, I gained much respect for you because of your willingness and being able to preach the Sunday after you lost your son. But it's not about me. It's all about him. Every day, every year that I live, heaven gets a little bit sweeter. How about you? And when the tough times come, hear the Savior say, whatever you need, I've got. And you can become a light, a testimony to a world that's, that's going to just blow their minds. First Chronicles 16, 24, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among the people. Again, may I say to you, that's not just the job or privilege of a certain few, like pastors and quote-unquote full-time Christian workers. That is your responsibility, or a better word, privilege to do that every day that you live, to proclaim him, because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about him. Romans chapter 11 and verse 36. God made all things, and everything contains, continues rather through him and for him. To him be glory forever. Listen this morning. Here's the message. In our pluralistic society today, there is only one God. 
the Father who created all things, and we exist for Him. First Corinthians chapter six and verse eight, rather, in verse six. For us there is but one God, the Father from whom all things come, and whom we live, one Lord, Jesus Christ. Why does the earth spin? For Him. Why do you have troubles? For Him. Why do you have talents? For Him. Why do you have the money that God's given to you? It's for Him. Why do you have the strength? It's for Him. Everything and everyone exists to reveal His glory. The question this morning is, how are you doing? Are you satisfied with just knowing that you're on your way to heaven? That your sins are forgiven? Are you missing out on the abundant life that God promised? You say, why don't I have that abundant life that God promised? Probably because you're just trying to get your Christian life going by coming to church once a week. You're running around the house on Sunday morning trying to find your Bible so that you can blow off the dust so you can bring it to church with you. You never get into the Word during the week. You never pray during the week. You never fellowship with Him during the week. The church today is weak and anemic because we are weak and anemic. We don't spend time with Him. We think once a week's going to do it. You eat more than once a week. I've watched you. I've heard about you, you know. I know we eat three times a day at least. I'm not counting the snacks and all. Why do we think we can eat spiritually just once a week on Sunday morning and think we're going to grow and be all that God wants us to be? Amen. Can't do it. Never happen. I want more for you. God wants more for you. But you've got to be willing. You've got to say, God, I am going to do what I need to do. I'm going to be in church. I'm going to get into your word every day. You say, I don't understand it. Well, you know the author now. Ask him to give you something. That's what he wants to do because he wants to see you grow. I'm going to share Christ with other people. You say, I could never do that. I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. Everything and everyone exists to reveal his glory. How are you doing? Proverbs says this. I hadn't planned on this, but it's a good end today. Well, I got one more. The godly man's life is exciting. The backslider's life is boring. Mm. That says it right there. I'm going to leave you with this one. Here's where we started. Let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify God. Would you take that on? You say, I'm doing that, Grant. Good for you. Now, as Paul said to the Corinthians, when he's talking about love, you're doing good, now do it more. Do it more. Do it more. Would you bow with me? While God's glory is rather hard to define, this morning we've seen that it is our responsibility and privilege to do such in the world that he's placed us in. Listen, you're going to come in contact with some people this week that the rest of us aren't. I bet you some of them need Jesus, and they're looking for what you have found in him. We're living in troubling times, no doubt. We're living in exciting times as well because people are beginning to ask questions, and we're supposed to have the answers. Another reason why we need to spend time with him.
during the week. You say, Pastor Grant, the Holy Spirit's put his finger on an area of my life today. Or maybe he has just said to you, you're not really glorifying me in your life, but you have a desire to do that. If you're born again, you should have that desire. I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me today, silently. Jesus, thank you for coming to this world and for dying for me. Thank you for giving it all up because you love me so. Thank you for my salvation. I want to be a brighter light. And I ask you to help me do that from this day forth and forevermore. Give me boldness instead of being timid. Help me to recognize that I'm here for one purpose, and that is to bring glory to you and point lost people to you. I avail myself to you this morning to use me in any way that you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen.